Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Thomas. I've got my co-host, Jeff Rutt, with me. Jeff, say hello. Hey, everybody. We have a very special guest for you today. We have David Weekly. I normally don't read almost any bio, but this one's so good, I have to read a couple sentences. So forgive me, David. I, I just have to do it. David Weekly, chairman of David Weekly Homes, began his home building company at the age of 23. You'll obviously hear more about that. Since 1976, he's been recognized twice by Inc. Magazine as having one of America's 500 fastest growing companies. In 1986, he was the National Association of Home Builders Builder of the Year. In 1989, he was named Houston Entrepreneur of the Year by Inc. And in 2018, for his distinguished business accomplishments and continued contributions to the community, David was inducted into the Texas Business Hall of Fame. As a fellow Texan, that's what I'm probably the most impressed with. We think, Jeff Rutt, we think that Texas is its own country down here. So it's really a national award is how I feel about it. But David Weekly, welcome to the podcast. Well, well, thank you. We were on our own country for a little while. Exactly. And uh, I don't know, a lot of our friends uh, think maybe we should do that again, but that's for another podcast. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, you know, we're going to ask a few questions. I'm going to kind of do the early part, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll ask a few questions and then you can kind of ask some of the, uh, the business and, and giving questions. But I thought, David, if it's okay to start out about, you know, maybe you can tell those listening, uh, where did you grow up? What was your family like? Maybe talk about your uh, childhood and that sort of thing, if you don't mind. Well, I'm kind of one of the few native Houstonians that grew up here. Third boy out of three. Parents married for 70 years. Grew up in a Christian household. Saw my father putting a uh, little envelope in the plate every Sunday, which I think impacted me. And uh, he, he had kind of Baptist roots. And uh, they, I wouldn't say that, that we were a overt Christian family, but more of a more of a Christian family in in how we lived and, and what, what we did. He was on the on the you know and an elder in the church. And so mm-hmm. my mom and dad kind of had different approaches to things, but it was a wonderful upbringing, kind of a Aussie and Herit upbringing for 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 those older listeners. And you know, re- realized at a young age I wasn't the best looking guy and and I wasn't the smartest guy, but I found out that if I worked real hard Things, things seem to work out. So, you know, Eagle Scout and those, those kind of things. And uh, went to college at Trinity University. And I think you graduated from there. Go Jeff. Tigers. We were talking about we don't even think we have a hand signal like the, the big colleges have. If, if there is one, forgive me, I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, not many of us. There's, there's no, a very, It's a very small place. But I followed my high school sweetheart up there. Okay. Uh, uh, Bonnie, Sandy, who uh, now I've been married to for... 46 years. We've got three kids and uh, eight grandkids. So I've been, I've been blessed beyond uh, anything I deserve for sure. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Now you kind of mentioned hard work as a kid and the Eagle Scout thing, which I, I, I've rarely met an Eagle Scout. I don't like to be honest with you, Uh, but so what, did you have a lot of jobs growing up? What was that like? Did you have some entrepreneurial instincts or what, what was your sort of first job or how do you think about that? I was kind of a whoops baby, about eight years younger than my older brother. And so uh, 
I looked up to them greatly and they were very kind of successful in school or, or the military or whatever they, they did, they did very well. And so I wanted to kind of make them proud and my parents proud. So I've, I've always kind of labored under the, the, the reality that, that I'd have to work really hard to, to make those folks proud and, and achieve in, in, a, in, a way that I, in a way that I could. Yeah. Well, Jeff, you want to, you know, we know from the bio yeah. that uh, David got into the home building business that, of course, you're in. So I thought this yeah. is, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of sitting back and uh, letting you guys talk uh, about well, business and that sort of thing. But Jeff, you want to try? Yeah. In? Yes. Thank you. First of all, David, thank you for your advice and just love of not only me and my entrepreneurial journey, but Hope International and the, the way that you've uh, nurtured with your your wisdom and resources well. Really appreciate you and appreciate you taking the time on the podcast. So for those listeners out there, you're like uber, success, uber successful in the building business. And tell us a little bit about how'd you get into home building? For those who don't know, tell us about that journey. Well, I got into home building by accident. I was supposed to go up east and get an MBA, but they said you need to work for a couple of years before you come up here. And so graduated from Trinity and the folks paying the most were a home builder. And so I went to work for them for a couple of years and it didn't turn out to be a couple of years. I got fired after about a year and a half because uh, they wanted to change my compensation structure. And so. Tell us about that. What happened there? Well, I, uh, you know, I was going to get a percentage of the profits in a community and they changed it, said, we're going to give you a, an Oldsmobile 98. Instead what? With an Oldsmobile, an Oldsmobile. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing the car was less than the bonus. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just guessing. I just, uh, yes. Yes. Well, and I didn't really want an Oldsmobile 98. It was like <laughs> right. 25 feet long and an old man's car. So I, I really didn't want an Oldsmobile. And you're like 24 years old or something. Right. 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 I, I thought I was cool at the time. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I talked to my boss and I talked to my boss's boss. And then my older brother, Dick, said, well, why don't you just go, go talk to the president? Kind of explain to him that, you know, trying to stay when he just stay, stay with the deal for the year. And so I did. And the president explained that I w- wasn't really a team player and I didn't really need to be there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, uh, I was I was I was very kind of hurt and upset. And I sure. went to talk to my dad and said, Dad, I always loved the advertising business that, that, that you run, and I'd, I'd love to be in the advertising business. He said, this isn't really going to work for you, son. You better go get a job. And wow. so, uh, so I started looking for a job, and my older brother, Dick, who felt pretty guilty and said, why don't you just start up a home building business? I mean, after all, I was 21 and a half. There wasn't much I didn't know. <laughs> and so, so, so with his money and my incredible depth of experience, we, uh, we started up a home building company. Fortunately, it was the late 70s, and you could fall off a truck and sell a home. And, uh, and in my, my first community, I was up against one of the big public home builders and they were selling too cheap, just like they still are. You know, my first home was 32,000. They were selling for 29,000. I couldn't believe it because uh, you couldn't produce it for that. So, yeah. you know, nothing much has changed in the last 45 years, but, but I did figure out how to compete and, uh, and how to move forward. And then we competed on design and then than quality and now really on, on, on the customer aspects. And so it's been a, it's been a big, good growth period. Yeah. Uh, I do, I do want to tell you one thing though, cause I think it's, it's, it's perspective is important. So uh, by age 29, I was a, a millionaire 
living in Houston, building a 10,000 square foot house out in Memorial. And, uh, and I thought I was uh, obviously God's gift to home building business. And I was in this group called YPO and, and kind of wonderful group, but a lot of climbers kind of behavior, uh, driving a, you know, some series BMW. And uh, then sure enough, the early 80s came and, and in Texas, that was a big downdraft and housing starts went from 30,000 starts to 6,000 starts. Wow. And, uh, and there was no way you could build in Houston, Texas and, and survive. So we went to Austin and Dallas. Unfortunately, we were able to be profitable there before we went broke. And my brother and I had a deal that, okay, if we got down to $2 million in capital, we'd shut it down. Going broke wasn't an option, but shutting it down was okay. I sold my big house. I, you know, I mean, it was a it kind of life-changing uh, event. And, uh, but we made it through and came out of it. And I remember kind of making God a promise, you know, give me one more boom and I won't screw the next one up. And uh, sure enough, in the late 80s and early 90s, we, we came back. And then about 1992, I remember the promise I made God. And I was also, we were in six cities. I was flying around. We were about a $300 million company at that point in time. And I realized that I was kind of getting beyond my entrepreneurial skis and I needed some professional management. So I tried to promote a couple folks from within and that didn't work because those folks have been successful here by doing what I told them to do. And I wanted to get move, move out of it some. So I ended up finding someone from the outside who came on a COO is now CEO and been with me 30 years. And so at that time I ended up giving half my earnings and half my time to nonprofit work. And there are a lot of people that are, that are incredibly generous. There aren't as many that make the time to go spend, to really get involved in a, in a deep way. And I think that's, to me, that that's where my high, high leverage came. Yeah. So David, I, I'd love for you to say a little bit more about that because as, as you know, this is called the Generous Business Owners Podcast. A lot of business owners thinking in terms of how can I get creative on how I give? That's something that you've really went deep on is not just being crazy generous with your resources, but also with your time. Talk a little bit about that, the sacrifices that you've had to make, make and the rewards that have come from that. Well, the, the first thing is that in the first 20, 25 years of my business, it was all about David. I mean, after all, I named the company David Weekly Homes. I mean, not, not that there was any ego involved or anything, but, but uh, it was all about David. And so in my early 40s, I had to have a uh, have open heart surgery for a birth defect. I went on a three-day Christian retreat that was meaningful and helped me move from a cultural Christian to more of a committed Christian, trying to live, live out my faith in a meaningful way. And uh, in, in early 40s, and you know, just three or four different things came into play. And, and one of the greatest regrets that I had had back in my early days when I was young rich was the fact that I had literally had millions of dollars flow through my hands and no good had come out of them. And so the reality that I was being blessed beyond anything I deserved and God gave me whatever talents I have and, and the ability to create whatever wealth I've been able to create and not to uh, respect that and have the gratitude and feel the responsibility to give back uh, to me was just something I need to, to rectify when things got better again in the late eighties and early nineties. So it was, it was kind of like I was back in what was going to be different, right? We're in a cyclical industry. How was I going to change? How was I going to change yeah. uh, what I did poorly 
the first time around. I was yeah. given a second chance. Yeah. And I also found out that having money or not having money didn't really change how I was going to live. You know, the same set of pants, same, you know, same shirts, et cetera. I do still like driving German cars. So, so I have to admit that, you know, I'm, I'm not near as radical as some of, as you, Jeff, or some of the other folks you've had on the, oh. on, the uh, on, on the podcast. Hey, uh, that's, I love the, the, uh, I love your, your quote there. Millions of dollars flowed through your hands and no good came out of it. And you were, you were looking to, uh, for a way to make that, uh, make that change. But, but I want to come back to the time. That's a, that is a radical commitment to give half your time. Talk about what what's that like uh, for our listeners out there running on the treadmill or driving in their car? Just talk a little bit about what what's that like? Well, for me, I'd also been running my business 20, 25 years and I was kind of, re- and I was young 40s and kind of reaching that, I don't want to say middle-aged crazy, but what am I doing? And I'm working, you know, six hours a week and isn't there something else? And so a lot of it was that uh, personal discomfort with my life trajectory at the same time as uh, the realization that I was back and I really had made a promise to God that I wasn't going to screw the next boom up. And so for me as a business owner, if I was going to give half my time, it meant that I had to go restructure my business. And so I hired a serious COO and who was better at being a business manager than I was. I was a good kind of visionary guy and entrepreneur guy, but I wasn't great at professionally managing, you know, four or five cities and, you know, hundreds of people. And so I was self-aware enough to recognize my own limitations in that area. You know, I read a lot of books. I do everything, you know, I was part of a small group and, you know, and and God had worked on me and and it, it become apparent that I need to do something different. So hired him, started giving the time, had to pull back out, you know, as any entrepreneur, giving up any amount of control is, is hard to do. But I found out that I could give up control of the parts that I didn't like to do pretty easily, which was the day-to-day management of the operations out there in the yeah. field. Yeah. So I said, this is good. And yeah. he was really good at it. And it got to be, you know, when, when I get, when I gave, uh, gave it up, we were 300 million and, and today, 30 years later, we're 3 billion. So, I mean, it's, wow. it, it, it's wow. worked. It, it's yeah. worked. Yeah. And, and the, the same other thing that happened uh, with that kind of change is the business moved from being me focused to be other focused. Mm-hmm. And so when I became other focused on the team, great things have happened. Right. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but you, you take good care of people and they'll take good care of your customers and, and everything seems to seems to work out. So I went to all the management classes, read all the management books, figured out how to how to get to be other focused. And, and our purpose as a company is building dreams, enhancing lives, our team, our customers and our community. And just that's give strong. A- could you repeat that, David? That, that's that's strong. Yeah. Building dreams, mm-hmm. enhancing lives, our team first our customer second and our community third in that order. Really and, cool. and, you know, we have metrics and kind of measure everything. And so to, to see, to see how we performed on that, on our team, we had been in the hundred best places to work by fortune magazine, 16 times. And this last year we were number in the top 10, which was the first time. Wow. So that's, that's so, yeah, thank you. So that that's working in terms of our customer satisfaction. We were the first builder to kind of publish customer rankings 
And so we have all of our customers rank us and we're 4.8 out of five, which is the top ranking of any builder in the country. And some other builders now are doing that. And I don't know if anybody else is publishing their results yet, but it takes a, you know, you got to be a little bit brave to do, to do that. But our team's done that, that good a job. But obviously we take great care of our team and they take great care of our customers. And we hire people that really care. And, you know, that we try to live out the Judeo-Christian principles, although we are not a Christian company, so to speak. And then our community, obviously giving away half the earnings over that period of time for, for my share of the stock's been a whole lot of money. Yeah. And, and, and since I was able to give the time and the money, when you put those two things together, you, you have much higher leverage than just writing a check. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've certainly been blessed with some of that time. Talk a little bit about some of the things you've been able to do with that time. Well, I, I started out really, as most folks do locally, and I think it was on a total of 20 different boards and chairman of 10 and running $50 million capital campaign. So I did all the things that folks normally will do if you get involved locally and folks ought to get involved locally where they know people and have passions, et cetera. But then after do, doing that for 10 or 15 years, I'm you know, kind of looking for the next challenge. So I said, okay, I wonder what it would, it would be like if I gave more internationally, because I, I was sitting in these board meetings locally and they were very bright people doing a great job. And it was kind of like, I felt like I wasn't being additive enough with my time. Mm-hmm. So where can I go do more, right? God's resources, you know, including my time, one of God's resources and my money. So where, where can I have the most impact for the kingdom? Yeah. So I went to every continent around around the world uh, for two or three years and on a kind of mission trips. And I decided to focus on Africa because it seemed to be in the greatest need where China was making headway and India was making headway. Africa still seemed to have the greatest need. And so I've been focused on Africa the last oh, 10 or 15 years or so. And I brought on some staff. We've got staff now that are living in Africa, you know, indigenous folks to help me get smarter about that. And uh so it's been a great adventure, quite honestly. And for an entrepreneur that loves to learn and loves to, you know, continue to push themselves, it's it's been awesome. Yeah, so that that definitely ties into just maybe zoom back out and talk a little bit about uh, maybe take a step back of, on your giving journey. Obviously, there is a there's a there's a whole journey accumulated over many, many years of your time and money. But just talk about kind of your thought process as you've evaluated where to give and how you how you give those valuable resources of time and, and money. Well, the, the, the challenge is if you come at it from a faith perspective, you oftentimes give totally with the heart. And I think you ought to give with your heart and your head. And I think God gave us, you know, heads and business acumen to be used. And so just like we're, we're to integrate our lives, you know, our, our Sunday lives throughout the week, I think we're supposed to do the same thing in giving. And so to me, you know, I kind of start out my, my giving with a great sense of, of gratitude for my parents, my, you know, my, my location, my education, my marriage. I mean, I, I've just been blessed in, in so many ways. How, how could you not have a deep sense of gratitude? And from that gratitude came a deep sense of responsibility and stewardship and responsibility. And so with that, I came to the point that I really need to use what God's given me, my business acumen, as well as, as well as my financial resources. And then when I act on that responsibility, using the gifts that God's given me of time 
and money and business acumen, I have great joy. I mean, I, I think I think we all find joy if we use our God-given skills in our philanthropy. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, so, so to me, it took, you know, there, I don't have much joy in just writing a check, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but where you invest your time and your ability and your money, that's where you can have a multiplicity of impact. Yeah. Jeff, you found that out as, as well as anybody. Yeah. But, but, but I, I, you know, being an entrepreneur and having some, some business acumen, sitting on these boards with, with these fabulous committed Christian folks who are trying to change the world. And, and I do best with organizations that are maybe 500,000 up to 5 million in, in revenue because they're still in kind of an, the entrepreneurial state. Once you get up to 20, 30, 90, 100 million, I don't, I can't bring them as much in terms of my time. I mean, they still need funding for sure, but I don't get the same amount of joy uh, in doing that. And I don't do that well with startups where they don't know what they're doing yet. But so, so I'm best in going from startup to building capacity to getting them to professionalization. And I'll come in and I'll hire consultants for them. I'll hire fundraisers for them. I'll tell them what I know. You know, and I used to be on the boards a lot, a lot of these groups. And now I can, I found that, I don't need to spend that that much time. I can, I can meet with them three or four times and identify what their needs are, hook them up with the right resources, write them a check, and help launch them in into a different trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, importing that business acumen into the nonprofit space is just extremely valuable. I know we at Hope International have been a beneficiary of that, David, and and. That really leads into my next question on the way you love or uh, love on organizations. Talk about your definition of love when you when you when you're you're loving uh, a charity. Yeah, well, it's it's somewhat tough love, kind of like a kid. Some, somewhat, somewhat. Could you describe somewhat, David? <laughs> I don't think I'd be doing service to someone if I don't tell them what I see and what I know. There you go. And. And I and that's kind of how I made anyway. I'm pretty transparent and forthright, and so I just think I come in and say, "Have you thought about this, 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 and what about this, and how about this?" And they can say, "Nope, this doesn't work because of this." Say, "Great, got it," or, or "This works because of this." So I don't. I think it's always really important to understand the power dynamic, and the reality is the guy with the check has more power than the folks receiving the check. And so, matter of fact, Peter and I wrote this book called The, the Gift and the Giver. Yeah. Um, uh, Peter wrote it, and I just gave some ideas to it. But, but the whole construct of the reality that as a, as a donor, as a giver, it's a privilege for me to come alongside those that are spending their life, their life, their passion, all of their life trying to, trying to change our society for good. So what? Uh, so David, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, what what advice? So if if uh, uh, an entrepreneurial-minded, successful business person's listening today, they're driving in their car, they're they're involved in a board or two uh, in a charity, and they have some some really strong business acumen, and they've been maybe holding back a little bit. What advice would you have for them? Well, the first advice I would have is to listen long enough to see whether you're right in what you in what you think. The second thing I would do is I would go and I would meet with the executive director before I bring it up as a as a board member, so that you don't quote unquote embarrass them or you're not trying to 
in any way undermine the executive director. Yep. Um, and then I'd go talk to the board chair and say, this is what I see. What do you think? Right. And, and sometimes you see things and the executive director or the board chair says it's not broken. Then I just back out. Hmm. In some other cases I've been involved, it was clear the executive director was not strong enough and the board chair was recognizing it and the board was recognizing it. And I would help them make that transition. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that happened very seldom, but sometimes that happens. Yeah. So, I mean, every situation is unique, each nonprofit, each board, et cetera. And it's only from experience and seeing literally thousands of nonprofits over the last 30 years that I've learned where I can impact and where I can't. And if I can't, I back out, you know, we're, we're, yeah. the Bible tells us not, not to judge. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and it's not my place to judge yeah. uh, another organization. It is my place to see where I can input or not, but they might be doing fabulous work. It's just not my, it just right. doesn't fit with, with what I see needs to be done. Well, I would encourage your listeners today, because you're listening to David, David's been able to impact probably, David, literally millions of lives through the benefit of these nonprofits who have now become more effective in their impact, whatever that was, whatever ministry they were in. I would challenge our listeners to help David leverage up, multiply that by you, that if you're on a board or you're involved in a charity that you believe that your business acumen or your advice or your influence can improve the impact of that organization, don't hold back. Be, you know, be transparent, be honest, but go, go through the proper channels. Listen well. What I heard is listen well. Talk to the leadership individually. Do it politically correct. But there's, yeah, there's no, uh, there's no upside of just not saying something. You know, just, no, if, if, if you're spending your time, you, you ought to engage. Exactly. And, and, and if things aren't going well or it's not a good fit, move off and go find a, a, another one. What I yeah. think you'll find at least in, in the size organizations that, that I've been involved with, you have these incredibly passionate leaders, but they don't have the experience in business. I mean, how could they? They're 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 oftentimes younger. Right. They're they're not necessarily entrepreneurs. They're they're compassionate, you know, ministers in some way, mm-hmm. and so they can be helped so much in. And they they might not like to hear it because they might be so young they're not self aware enough to understand that they have these blind spots. But what a great opportunity to mentor, yeah, and, and hold up to a mirror to some of these folks and show them some blind spots if they have them and if if they're receptive. Right. If they're not receptive, don't yeah. you know, swine between you know. Yeah, yeah. Talk about what uh, using what God puts in your hands. I mean, that's, you know, God's putting your hands, that, that business acumen. He's put in the, the hands of a lot of uh, business men and women who are listening to this podcast, that business acumen, and to be able to use that, not just for their business, but also for, uh, you know, charities that they're involved in. Can really it's learn. also where you can find real joy because it's where you can find real movement. Yeah. And like I said, if you use your own skill set along with the check, it just, uh, and you just have a lot more joy in your work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Talk a little bit more. I want to come back to uh, the how you've you've done an amazing job at not only influencing many nonprofits, you know, through your your financial resources, your time, your your incredible wisdom, but you've also been able to 
put a really what I feel like is a very wise, comprehensive plan together for the next generation and for your whole team, which I believe relates to generosity and, you know, really looking at the long view. Talk a little bit about that, preparing that next generation, both for your business and also on the giving as it relates to, to giving. Those are both big questions. Let me take them one at a time. So in the business as a private business owner, who's obviously with the business named after yourself, I, I tried to change it when I was 35, but we already had enough of brand, so I couldn't change it. So I've been living with it for a while. So I've got a private $3 billion a big business. And so what are your options? You know, I'm 68. I need to figure out what's the end game. And so as a private business owner, do you sell out? And so you get a big check. You know, do you sell the employees? I mean, what what are your options? Do you go public? I mean, that's an option for us is to go public. I looked at that heavily once and I didn't go. And I'm very excited about that. <laughs> so I kind of researched and looked and talked to different people for, for you know, really the last de- decade about what, what the options were and what were to go. And I decided that the organization that we've created is as much, it's, a, it's as important to steward that as is the funds that God has created. And that we do a great job for our team members, just like we do a great job for our customers. And so I didn't want to sell them out, quite honestly, just to get, get a bigger check. So uh, in fact, I've now restructured our stock ownership where if I step off a curb tomorrow, the company's in great shape. And I've done it differently than, than you and, and the other co-host, Alan, have, have done it. And listening to, to you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and, and, and chagrined a little bit about how far you've gone. At the same time, I ended up doing what I thought made the most sense. And, and it might be more in line with, with what, you, what a lot of your listeners might consider. <laughs> so, so, so what I've ended up doing is I've got a third of the company in the hands of the employees. We call them our team. Of that, 18% is in senior managers' hands. They own direct stock, just like I own. Mm-hmm. We have a buy-sell agreement. They buy in it book. They sell it book. None of this funky, you know, mar- market, you know, where the market's up or the market's down, somebody wants to sell. It's just book value. We make money the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. And that's how they buy in and that's how they sell. So 18% there, and then I put in an ESOP at 15%, and that's been terrific. And it's, it's been great because when you have an ESOP, you don't have to pay taxes on those ESOP earnings because the employees do when they sell. So it, it increases your book value pretty well. And as a private company, you want shares of stock in patient, in, in patient hands so you can keep capital in the company. So in, in the employees' hands, the senior managers and the stockholders, they're in patient hands. Then I've got a third of the, another third of the stock in a charitable trust. And so we're just, as I said, half my earnings, I owned about two thirds of the comp. So half, half my earnings was about 30% of the earnings each year. And so I've got 30% of the earnings going forward. That's going to be in a charitable trust that'll always go to charity. And then the final third is in the founding family's hands. And there were two branches of the family, mine and my brother who put his, his, his money up to start the business. And that, and that, Brilliant 21 year old, you know, he don't no, no risk at all. And so it's so we got in the branches hands and we've been training some of our kids that they were business minded in this. We have what we call a family stewardship council and we've been training them up and learning what it means to 
own a business and run a business and the responsibility of, of ownership. And it's not an entitlement, it's a responsibility. And they're responsible for, you know, 1,600 team members. They're responsible for these charitable ent- entities as well as being responsible for the family ownership. And so they will have the ultimate call on if the company's ever sold or, you know, anything like, like that, the family will. So we don't have the senior managers, don't have the, the charities making any stock calls, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, that's how we've decided. And I love the symmetry of a third, a third, a third. Uh, I like aligned interests and managers and employees want to make as much as they can. And the charities want as much as they can. The family wants as much as they can. So we don't have anybody competing against one another. And we have aligned interests to want to be here for the long term and make wise, prudent business decisions and do well. Yeah, that's a lot to take in. And that's really, I love that. And you're right. There's, there's, a, it, there's different recipes, you know, different strokes for different folks, different companies, different individuals are going to look at it differently. I'd love it. Could you dig a little bit deeper in the final time that we have here on, I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about the Family Stewardship Council. Just tell us a little bit more how that works, who's on there, what do they do? As yeah, well, well, in, in in the first place, we 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 hired a group to kind of help us do all this. It was uh, Banyan out of Boston because this this whole transition for succession, especially from first generation, is a challenge. Yeah. And and they start with kind of the ownership structure being the key, mm-hmm. and talk about the, you know where ownership crosses family crosses business. And it's complicated, right? Yeah. And so, again, I spent a, a number of years kind of studying this to try to get it right. Who knows if I got it right? That'll be determined 20, 30, 40 years from now. But but it's, it's worth studying and learning. And and just as, you know, we, we spend all of our wake, waking hours learning to, to make money, trying to figure out how to set up an organization to continue beyond yourself, hopefully for all the right reasons and all the right purposes, it, it's it's hard work and, and you got to think a lot about it and what talent do you have inside and what don't you. So the Family Stewardship Council meets after our independent board meets. I also set up an independent board, which I didn't have. And I got some outside board members on there. And I've learned a lot from that. It's been terrific. I should have done it years before. But I went out and did a real search and they make real money and are really smart people that are running bigger organizations than I am. And it's been incredibly helpful. So it's just, I mean, we come up with kind of a, a family document about what we believe in and, and how do we hire children or not hire children and what's their education have to be. I mean, it, it covers a whole sphere of things for generations to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I had planned on the foundation side to spend out within 25 years of, of when I died. And, but now, since that's not happening, since the, I've got company stock, which I hope will be going 100 years, we're having to do a lot of work on donor intent mm. to ensure that the money is not spent on things that, that would be the antithesis of what I believe in. At the same time, recognizing that organizations change, their leadership changes. And so, so how do you structure a document and an organization to live here for 100 years? Yeah. We've recently changed to be a Christian foundation. So changed the bylaws, changed all the you know registration agreements, et cetera. Because I want to make sure that that who's ever in charge of the foundation has a Christian worldview. So you know, I mean, just attempting to think long term about what I've been given and how do I, I best attempt to structure something to stay in existence for the long term if God wills it so. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a lot there. How do you? Uh, we we could we could have a couple more podcasts, Jeff. I think we could have a podcast just on the transfer of leadership, going from a three hundred million comp- yeah. company to a three billion dollar company. Uh, we could have a podcast about German cars. Uh, we could have a podcast on just uh, incorporating the family into the giving fabric for like uh, you're really thinking uh, long term here. Maybe just say if uh, one or two more things about that. I know you have family but, involved but, in that. Yeah, yeah. What what's what's hard is that you know everybody says, well, let me get my family involved in giving. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is there are seasons of life, right? Yeah. And you get somebody from 25 to 50. And they've got kids and they're trying to, and they're busy in their work. I mean, they have no headroom mm-hmm. for philanthropy. And we as parents say, wouldn't it be great if, if you got involved? Exactly. And they say, wait, wait a minute. I got ball games. I got this, I got that. And then we get frustrated because they're not involved. They're in a completely different place in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't give this much time as I'm giving until I restructured my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I so I think it's important, and I'm speaking to a family foundation tonight, and I think it's important to give people permission to not be involved and to be interested and keep them up to speed and see where they might be interested or might not be interested. But I'm fortunate in that that my daughter spent her career 15 years in the nonprofit business, and I was finally able to hire away from a nonprofit group by paying her more than I thought I should. <laughs> to get her to come awesome. run our foundation and she is really good i'm really glad i was able to to, to pay her enough to hire away she's good but, but it's uh, uh but it was her business right, right? Yeah. right. so she spent 15 years two thousand hours a year so she's got thirty thousand hours in philanthropy and i have thirty thousand hours in philanthropy there you go right? uh, 30 years and a thousand hours you know half my time a year there so we know something we can spar well because we each know enough and she's really smart and good at this. So, yeah. so I've, I've been fortunate, but my, my caution would be for parents is to not put stresses on your kids that they, that they can't really handle at this time because of life. Right. And, right. and to let them see you, see what you're doing, et cetera. Drip on them, go on a mission trip with your kids. So you expose your kids and your grandkids. I'm not saying don't do anything, but just understand the reality of, of life seasons. Yes season yeah right exactly yeah david one question that we always try to leave folks with is you know one piece of advice for an entrepreneur out there that's maybe having some success they're probably listening like jeff always says on the treadmill or riding in their car and maybe they prayed for the second chance like you did uh and and god is granting it and maybe they weren't as generous the first time around and they want to be generous and they want to take a first step to get into that sort of thing. What advice might you have for that person? I would say to give of your time and engage and and not just write checks and things that that does it, but give of your most precious resource, which is your time. The other thing is, we, we you know, we each have our stewardship of our affluence, our money, but we also have the stewardship of our influence the relationships and everything we've had over the previous whatever many years. And so how can we use that influence to the benefit of the kingdom and the folks that, that you're dealing with? So uh, I think engagement would be the, the number one thing. Don't, don't be shy. Use your skills and abilities along with your check. Thank you so much. Great advice.
Great. David, so many nuggets here. And Jeff, I'm going to let, let you close this down here because I know our time's up, but really appreciate, uh, you know, just a couple things I think about is just your, your whole philosophy on not just stewarding your resources, not just stewarding your time, but you talked about the, the stewardship of your team members, uh, stewardship of your, your employees, as you think about what you're going to, you know, the, the long, what's the long view for your company. But thank you for the way you've impacted my life, the way that you've impacted Hope International, the way you've impacted Peter, and so many thousands of individuals and, and organizations that their impact multiplied and leveraged because of you. And, and our, our prayer is that through this podcast, it'll, be, it'll go out another ripple. There'll be more folks that'll say, yeah, that's a really good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak up. Well, thank you. It's 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 a privilege and it's a joy, and and I can still be found if somebody wants wants to find me, you know, <laughs> look up David Weekly. I mean, you, you can find me. So we'll you know, put something in the show notes, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll make sure they can find you. Uh, yeah, so put put my email in there. But if somebody wants to to, yeah. to reach out and ask some questions about anything that, that we've talked about, feel free. Yeah, well, there's a good chance we'll be asking you to to come back on and and dig a little deeper on some of these items, but. Really appreciate you being on the on the show today, and like like Jeff said, we'll have some some information and show notes on how to get in touch. And David, thank you. God bless you. Great. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Yeah. God bless. Thank, thanks, Jeff and Jeff. Thank you, and uh, everybody listening. Just uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll have another show in another week for you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, David. All right. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.